Welcome to North Village Church. So glad you're here with us this morning. Josh, good to see you back, buddy. <laughs> my name's Keith Tooley, and I'm the leadership development pastor here. It's my honor and privilege to serve in that role. Here, pinch, pinch hitting for Michael Dennis. You notice he's got a pretty good tan from being on the beach uh, this past week. And um, hey, we're going to be passing an electronic tablet, if you wouldn't mind uh, filling out a little information for us when that drop comes by you. We just want to uh, know you're here and uh, stay connected with you. Hey, uh, we really want to encourage you to use these. You probably see these in your chairs. And this is an invitation card. And uh, give it to family, friends, neighbors. Did you know that a third of the people that you give, that you invite to church, will, will say yes? or at least they'll seriously think about it. So the odds are pretty good that they might say yes. So use these cards. And we also know that there's not a better place to be on a Sunday morning than in church, hearing God's word. And also our body, because what people experience when they come here is the warmth, your warmth. And so we want to extend that to them. So please use these. So we're in a, in a sermon series called If God then what? And so we've been going through the book of Romans, just chapters 9 through 11. And what we're focusing on is the righteousness of God. And then how do we respond to that righteousness of God? What kind of impact does that make in our life? So it's a huge topic and a really great sermon series. I encourage you to pull out your cell phone and go ahead and find Romans 10 verses 14 through 21. We also have Bibles in the back if you're kind of old school like me and you just want to have God's word in written form. So buckle up. Here we go. So what we saw or have seen in, in Romans chapter 9, Paul is explaining how he's elected the Israelites. This is a people group that he elected to show his fame, his glory, his name. And he's going to use the, the nation of Israel to reach the worst rest of the world for his glory. And we know that he's also blessed the Israelites for many years. He's provided for all their needs. He's guided and directed them. And we've also seen God's great mercy on Israel all this time. And now we even see God having great mercy for the Gentiles. So the Gentiles were every people group that wasn't. A Jew. And the Gentiles are drawn to the message of the gospel. So they're hearing this, the news, and they're going like, that sounds pretty good. I'm, I want to move in that direction. And so what's going on here in chapter 10 is we see God kind of setting Israel aside because they're rejecting the Messiah, the one that he had sent to save them, to save the world. They're rejecting them. In fact, the word that is used in the scripture is they were being obstinate. That means that they were being stubborn, and they were being rebellious. Doesn't sound like us at all, does it? So they weren't submitting to God's righteousness. In fact, they were, they were wanting to establish their own righteousness, and we saw that last week in, verses, uh, in chapter 10, verses 1 through 7. Now, you got to think about Paul. Paul's pretty invested here with these people. If you're Paul, you might be saying, you know, the heck with these people, uh, they can go their own way. I would be done with them. I would just say they're, they're just too stubborn. But, but through all this, we see the true heart of Paul. 
And I love this because, you know, when we look at Paul, we, we tend to just look at him and say, oh, he's so driven. You know, he's, he's a missions guy. He's so driven. But the heart of Paul is love and compassion. I mean, let's, let's face it. Before he became a Christian, he was self-righteous. He was persecuting Christians. Now that he had become a Christian, he was like loving and he wasn't judgmental. Uh, if anything, he wanted to draw people uh, to the gospel. And, um, and so we see this, this man of great love and compassion because he desperately wants to reach people who don't yet believe in Jesus. In fact, we see uh, Paul's anguish over Israel in Romans 9, 1 through 4. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms, confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could not wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. So he's basically saying, look, I would rather be cursed and cut off from Jesus Christ and all of you guys be saved, all the rest of uh, So that's amazing that uh, that's the kind of heart that Paul had through all this teaching. So, you know, that would be a really good prayer. Hey, Lord, can you just give me that kind of love and compassion for people that don't, don't yet know you? Hey, we're going to be going through some points this morning. Main points of the message, we are called to share the good news. Some will reject it, but God's hands are still extended. So let's, let's dive into uh, Romans 10, 14, and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So you see the word in the scripture, they, you see it used four times. And it's referring to the non-believers, particularly the non-believing Israelites or Jews. And Paul is using four rhetorical questions in this uh, scripture. And he's putting in reverse order kind of the steps or conditions that would be necessary for a non-believer to be saved. So I want to break it down a little bit different way. This is more logical for my brain, maybe for your brain too. Okay, a preacher is sent from God. Uh, the, he proclaims the message. He or she proclaims the message. And, there, and then there is a hearing of the message and then a believing of the message, okay? Now, when you hear preacher, I know you're probably thinking an ordained minister, right? The context for this scripture, what Paul is teaching about is someone preaching. That's a Christian, him or her, professing their faith to someone else. So these verses are not implying that you have to be a preacher or an apostle, or a pastor to proclaim the good news. It's, this verse is about really anyone, and preferably everyone, sharing that good news, sharing their faith. And then hopefully, God's working on people, and, and they're actually hearing and then believing. Now, you also see being sent in verse 15. I love this. It suggests that those that are being sent are under some type of authority. Whose authority could that be? Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And um, 
I think that's awesome to know that when we speak in God's behalf and we're planting God's seeds or whatever, that we have his authority in us through his spirit. Now today, I want to know, does that help you, like when you're having spiritual conversations or thinking about sharing Jesus, do you ever think about that? Okay, I have the authority of Jesus Christ when I speak on his behalf because I have this close relationship with him. I that, that's encouraging for me to know that Keith doesn't have to come up with all the right. Does it help knowing that we are qualified to do that? You know, I, I think in the Christian world, we, we never feel like we know enough. But this scripture is telling us that he's going to empower us to do that. This scripture is telling us, you know what? Sharing the gospel, it's doable for us. It's doable for you. It's doable for me. And he's provided all that we need. So we are called to share the good news. And as it is written, this is the rest of that scripture, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So when you hear that, that's not a bland statement, is it? That's a statement of eagerness and excitement to share the gospel. How beautiful are the feet it's really a figurative way of expressing gratitude for the obedience of the messengers who have brought good news. So actually, what Paul is referencing is a quote from Isaiah 52, 7, which refers to those who had brought news to the exiles in Babylon that soon you're going to be released. Soon you're going to be free from captivity. Okay? So for us, as it's applied in Romans 10, it's, a, it's applied to believers who bring the good news of release from captivity to sin. So they will no longer be in bondage to sin, but set th free through Jesus Christ. So I hope you can see the parallel there. That's the fact. God has sent every Christian to proclaim the gospel to non-believers. Uh, if you look at Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, it's called the Great Commission. I'm sure you're very familiar with that verse. Also, John 20, 21, and, and many other places, it's clear in Scripture. Unfortunately, for many Christians, we're waiting for just that special setup uh, to share the news, that per perfect timing that God's going to give us to share the news. And we don't realize that we've already been sent. We've already arrived. We're on the mission field. And God sent us where we are for his purposes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. So we've already been sent. We've already arrived. Now, as a, as a former missions pastor, I led many teams, and I was on many missions teams. And it was interesting to me that some of the people that went on the mission trips had never shared the gospel. And so that was training that we would provide, knowing that. And they were waiting to go on a trip before they could even think about sharing the gospel. It's not a task that's for a specific time. It should be more of a lifestyle. If we become active in sharing our faith, it's uh, God's with us all the time. In fact, Psalm 37, 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. So God is intricately involved with all of our interactions with non-believers. 
Now, what I've experienced uh, in being a witness for Christ, and whether that's, you know, you plant some gospel seeds, you may have spiritual conversations, you may actually share the gospel. What I've experienced personally, there's three things that are typically happening in me when I see God at work in me, in, this, in relationship to this. Number one is typically when I'm feeling really close to the Lord and I'm in good fellowship with the Lord, okay? We're having, having some really sweet time together and I feel a oneness with God. Secondly, it, I have a, a motivation in my heart. I really want to share this good news. Now, that motivation can come. I just love people like Paul did. I have compassion on people. That motivation can be God has called me to be obedient to do that. Another motivation can be, man, I just really feel indebted to Jesus Christ for what he did for me on the cross. See, there's a lot of different motivations, but the key is God wants us to be motivated about this. And I would just tell you, if you're not motivated about sharing your faith, you know, I would just encourage you to pray about it. God can help you want to want to do this. I have found that is very true. He can help us want to want to do this. And the third thing I do is, man, when I, when I share my faith a lot, it's a focus of my life. So when I get up in the morning, I'm, I'm actually having a prayer with God. I'm saying, God, is there anyone you want me to talk to today about you? And if so, would you make that very apparent? And then would you give me the gumption to, like, say something or step in or, or take action? Uh, I'll share an example of something like this that I've seen the way God works. So I have quiet time sometimes at Starbucks, different places, because I just want to be out. It really helps me get in tune with prayers for the culture and what's going on. And sometimes I'll just go and sit in a Starbucks and I'll say, hey, God, if there's anyone that you want me to talk to, would you just seat them right here in front of me? And he's, he's done that. Uh, one time he, he sat a woman. I was just in there. I was having my quiet time. I was praying. A woman sat right in front of me. I was going, okay, God, game on. It was really hard to bridge into this conversation. I simply said, how are you today? Boom. Uh, we talked for the next hour, and we, we got deeply spiritual. Uh, her and her partner had moved to Austin from California, and they're sorting some things out, and we talked through that. She did have a little bit of a, a spiritual background, and um, but that's just kind of an example that I've seen in the way that God works sometimes when I just pray. Now, I will tell you that there's times when I've prayed and prayed and I've gone into a restaurant and I'll sit there alone and eat my whole meal alone. And there's no divine appointment. So, but don't get defeated by that. But. Um, so the question comes back to, shouldn't every Christian feel some type of obligation or compulsion to share the gospel with non-Christians? like Paul did. Here's something I think Paul's thinking about is we have some really valuable information that can be the difference between spiritual life and death for people. And so he's saying like it's really important. We don't want them to be dead in their sin. We want them to hear this incredibly good news because it's life-saving. And I hear this and I see this in our church. Our, our lead pastor, Michael Dennis, you will hear him passionately share the gospel every week up here. It never fails. In fact, if you didn't catch last week's sermon, I just saw passion dripping off of him, so be sure and catch that. 
but I've also seen this zeal in so many of you. Thanks for sharing your story of having those spiritual conversations and how God is using you out on the front lines. And uh, it's awesome. If, I love to hear these stories, by the way, and I won't think you're boasting if you come and tell me. Hey, Keith, I was praying about this, and, and God, because these, these stories motivate all of us. When we share them with each other, they motivate us. It makes me want to get out there and, and share my faith more when I hear from one of you a conversation you had, so please do that. Second point, some will reject it. But not all the Israelites, uh, verse 16, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So in verses 16 through 21, we see the continuing unbelief of Israel. Even through the door, this door of salvation has been opened wide now to Israelites, to Gentiles. There's still many Jews, Israelites, that are rejecting Jesus Christ, this good news. So Paul, he's actually referring to Isaiah 53, 1, when he says, who has believed our message? See, this message was actually the good news about salvation that the prophets had been giving to Israel for years. So this was, this was not new. So rejecting the gospel, rejecting the good news, it had been happening all the way back to the Old Testament. And now we see in the New Testament. Now, when we share the truth, we know there's going to be rejection, Right? It's hard. It's hard for all of us to take rejection, especially like when you engage with close family and friends, people that you really love and care about, and you're just going like, man, I really want to share some good news with them, and you're kind of shut down. That can be really hard. I've, I've experienced plenty of rejection. Uh, one time I met with a guy. I actually met him. Uh, we were doing an outreach at another church I was at, and I met this guy, and we got to talking, and he said, you know, I'd like to hear more about Christianity. He said, you know, can we talk more about that? I said, absolutely. So we met at a Starbucks. Sorry, it's, these are all Starbucks stories because that's, that's where I go. I know there's, there's other great places around town, but uh, just one right down here. But um, So <laughs> at that time, too, this was, that was the place. But, uh, so I met him at Starbucks. I laid out Christianity, I mean, from top to bottom. I did the bridge illustration. Man, I covered it all. I said, oh, he's going to love this. And, and he asked a few questions here and there. At the end, I was going like, what do you think? And he's just going like, you know, Keith, that's, that's fine that you believe that stuff. I don't believe that at all. Okay. And uh, I said, well, if you ever want to get together and talk, talk about it, I'm here. You know. He walked out the door. Oh, he said, thank you for your time. Okay. Another time, I uh, met this guy after church. He was in his 20s. We met at a restaurant, got into a spiritual conversation. And uh, I don't know if you've ever met someone that's kind of antagonistic about spiritual things, very antagonistic. And so we had a, what you would call a discussion that turned into an argument that went on from noon till 4 o'clock. I have never been so challenged and apologetic defending my faith than I was. And you know what? He threw a lot of questions at me I couldn't answer. But you know what? I knew, I knew what? I knew I didn't have the answer, and I would just say, I'm, I don't know the answer to that. It's pretty complicated. But I said, I will do tell you this. 
And I went back to the gospel several times. So every time I couldn't answer a question, I just went right back to the gospel. I thought, you know, it's, at least he'll have that. But in both of these, neither one of these guys, to my knowledge, have said yes to Jesus. But you go back to your car after some of these meetings, you feel beat up, you feel defeated, you feel like you've failed. And I know many of you have been in that place. But I will tell you, if, if I read scripture properly, it says share the truth, then God does the rest. Okay, it's my job to share the gospel. God has to convict and transform the lives. I mean, we really have an easy job. I would hate to be the part to have to like trans, convict and transfer, uh, transform hearts. But doesn't that feel better to know that you have the easy job here? Let's go on. Uh, they will, some will reject Romans 10, 17 through 18. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Now, this is referring back to those gospel preachers. Who are those gospel preachers? They were people like you and me. Okay? So, again, Paul is using a rhetorical question. They have never heard, have they? Now, this suggests the possibility of Israel's rejection is that they hadn't heard. Not everyone had heard the word. However, Paul's quotation also here, he's quoting Psalm 19.4, their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. It clarifies that they had heard the message. On top of that, Romans 1, 19 through 20, informs us that every human being hears the testimony of God through nature. A scripture on that is uh, in Romans, uh, well, it's 19 through 20. What may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So it says, someone says, I don't believe in God. Just say, hey, look out your window. Look at his creation. Also, Israel had heard the special revelation of God concerning his son from the prophets. So they couldn't plead ignorance as a nation. Hey, we, just have, we, don't, we have never heard this before. Then in verse 19, again I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. What Moses was talking about here is the Gentiles. Okay, God's shifting his attention toward the Gentiles because they're responding, right? And they didn't grow up understanding it says a nation that has no understanding they didn't grow up steeped in in judaism right as they were growing up like maybe some of us have been steeped in christianity so this is actually a quote from deuteronomy 32 21 so paul keeps going back to the old testament and it comes from moses criticism of israel for forsaking the lord what comes around goes around God said that he would give Israel a desire to return to himself by provoking her to jealousy by going to these, this other people group, right? That would become his focus. But what has happened 
I mean, now we're in the New Testament and we're in Romans. Jesus has died and he's been resurrected. And then God has opened the church, open wide to everyone. Israelites, the Gentiles, the key here, he had opened it to that which is not a nation, the Gentiles, the rest of the world. And that should have made Israel really desire, should have made them jealous and made them want to pursue God, but it didn't. They still rejected. But there's good news. God's hands are still extended. Verse 20 and 21, and Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. He's referring to the Gentiles. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long I have held up my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Referring to the Israelites. So for the third time, Paul references the Old Testament. Uh, and this time he's talking about Isaiah 65, 1 and 2, which says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call my name, I said, here I am, here I am. All day long I have held up my hands to an obstinate people who walk in, the way, in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. So it's, you know, it's kind of sad. The Jews uh, refused to come to God even though he was just reaching out and doing everything he could to draw them in. He said, all day long my hands are stretched out. And so God says, I'm just going to have to temporarily put you guys aside. And uh, Moses and the prophets had warned over and over again about this attitude repeatedly of, the, of God's chosen people that they would reject. Let me go back to Isaiah one more time, this part of it, because it's really important. All day long I have held up my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. Is that you? I mean, this was me before I committed my life to Christ at age 24. I was that obstinate, stubborn person. I didn't have much need for God my late teen years, my college years, my early career years. But you know what? He didn't give up on me. He kept pursuing me. His arms were stretched wide open. He said, Keith, come back, come back. So Jesus was the remedy for my rejection. Jesus was the remedy for the Israelites' rejection. You know, the cure was faith in Jesus. That was the cure. Uh, Michael, last week, he was reading uh, verses 8 through 15. And i got to read this again because this is really powerful. Okay? If you don't listen to anything else, listen to this. All right? The good news. 9 through 13. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
I mean, this is, this is, this is big stuff. This is powerful stuff. If there's anybody that, that's in your work pool, maybe they work in the, the uh, box over next to you, this would be a really good thing to uh, just say, hey, sometime would you just read, you know, Romans uh, 10, 9 through 13, and let's have, a, let's have a chat about it. I mean, you know, you'd have a relationship and you could do that, but it's just so powerful. And here's the, here's the point. God never quits extending his hands even into obstinate and rebellious and stubborn people, he never quits extending his hands. And our, our, our merciful God has always made it clear that he's waiting for us. He's such a loving, he's such a kind father. And man, I, I hope you've entered his arms before, and I hope you're not pushing him away. Now, before we end this, this morning, these are questions that I was pondering this week. Um, and I, I, I want to tell you, I think of me often when I read these questions. Do we want to be a stubborn and closed-minded people like the Israelites were at that time? Do we want to follow re religious rules and try to work our way to heaven like some of the Israelites did? We call that legalism. Do we want to just wear a Christian label more than we want to have a vibrant personal relationship with Jesus Christ. How many times do you talk to someone you say, yeah, hey, tell me, what, you, what faith are you or what do you believe? I'm a Christian. Okay, well, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I was raised Methodist or I was raised Presbyterian. That doesn't tell me a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. Do we want to think that we know better than God and go our own way? Satan loves this. He loves all these, but he really loves this one. He wants us to get stuck in a pr this prideful place. And it's, it's kept many from pe people from experiencing real life in Christ. I'd rather go my own way. Will we settle for just trying to be a good person? When Jesus himself said, there is no one good except for God. Jesus understood that we can't save ourselves uh, from our sinful nature and that he was going to have to pay that price for us. And lastly, do we want to be governed or influenced by ourselves or by someone else? What's better is, wouldn't we want to be governed by God? Wouldn't we want him, not Keith's thinking, not some, someone that has great influence over Keith's thinking, but it would be God himself that we want governing us? Throw some, some things that, to think about. Now, as I go through that list, are any of these things holding you back? Would you say, oh, that's me. That's, I'm struggling with that one. If you're struggling with one of these and you've kind of hit a wall, please let us know. We want to help you. We want to help you walk that path. Uh, we don't want you to stay stuck there in this place of uh, ob being obstinate or disobedient or um, rem remain in that state. So please let us help you with that because... We have a God who's saying, hey, I'm here. I'm waiting. Come. Come into my big hands. Will you bow your heads and let's pray. Father, I know this is uh, really difficult when we think about what Paul was talking about here because it's been going on for generations and the challenge is still just as new as it was in Paul's day that 
you give this incredibly impactful news, life-saving news, and we often sit on it and keep it to ourselves. We don't want to be rejected. And I pray, God, that we would go on your authority, on your behalf and under your authority, knowing that you're going to tell us what to say, that you're in control. You're going to give us your message. And so I pray that as, as we get, we're going to get rejected, but guess what? There's also some people here that want to hear that valuable news. And I pray that you would direct us to those people and encourage us to share this good news with them. And I pray, God, if there's anyone here struggling this morning, they've hit that wall, that, uh, God, that you would just break down that wall and show them there is a way where there's any of these things that we discuss that are holding them back. I pray they would desire to get help so they can draw close to you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.